As they're doing that, let me tell you uh, where we are as a church and where we're going. We are just a few weeks away from Easter. And Easter is a significant spiritual marker in our own lives, but it's also a time when people that you know that are not necessarily particularly church people or, or even believers are more likely and, and open for whatever reason to attend worship. And I want to encourage you to begin to pray about who it is. Not that you can just simply invite, hey, why don't you come? But rather, bring. Think in terms of who can we bring to church? Who can we say, we're going to meet you here, and we are going? We want you to worship with us where we worship. And I want, I want you to be a part of this and be mindful of those you typically sit around and who you can introduce them to so that they can feel warmly welcomed. We're going to have uh, a number of services. Uh, one that is unique is our Thursday night service. We're going to have that service. And, and here's one of the main reasons we do that is because typically spring break falls around that time, and, and typically our Sunday morning is, is pretty slammed. And so this year, both county and city schools will be out on spring break the following day on Friday. We're anticipating a lot of families going. So we want you to be mindful. We're going to have our Thursday night service at 7 o'clock. So if you know they're going to be going on to town, you need to go ahead and switch your plans to meet theirs so that you can be here and, and bring them to, to Easter worship with you on that Thursday night. Now, Sunday morning, we're going to have our typical four services here, three here, and then the 11 o'clock in the chapel. And I just want to encourage you now that we're just a few weeks away to begin praying and preparing for that. And and these are not throwaway Sundays leading up to they're very important Sundays. We we have been talking about God is and you've seen you've seen this up for some time. We started the year talking about the, the fact because of the good news of Jesus Christ, God has not abandoned us in sin. God became one of us, defeated sin through his death and and then death through his resurrection. And now we have the power of the resurrection at work in those who believe. Because of that fact, we know that God is listening. We spent a whole month talking about how, how it is we are to pray, because God is listening. Last month, we, we, really, uh, we really walked through a really hard, really challenging, really, for, some, for some of you, a very painful uh, process of thinking through the life of Elijah and the fact that our God is greater. He's greater than our sorrow. He's greater than our doubts. He's greater than our plans. And we, we saw God, I pray, in a very unique way. I know I did, and I know it blessed me. Well, now this month, as we're getting ready for, for Easter, we're going to spend the, the next three weeks talking about the fact that God is at work. God is at work in our lives. He's at work all around us, and He is going to fulfill His purpose. And what we can count on is not only is it God transcendent, that is, not only is God overseeing all things that are happening in the world, we know that's true. But I want you to understand, that same God who is at work in the universe, sustaining it by His might, He's at work at your, in your individual life and relationships. He's at work in the things that you're going through. And, and, and I want to really challenge you to think about the fact that the things that you and I go through, those are a part of God's design. And those are not always easy things. But those are the things that God often works through. He is at work in the world. And here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Here's the question I ask myself regularly. This is an important question for a disciple of Jesus Christ. Am I joining God in what He's doing? So often in our American mindset, in our Western mindset, we have this 
arrogance that would say, hey, I've got the plan. I'm smart. I've got it together. God, I just need you to get with my plan. Hey, God, I know what I want out of life. I just need you. I claim that I need you to come on and get in here and give me what I want. That's not the, that's not the prayer of a disciple of Jesus. A disciple of Jesus says, God, I know that you are the Almighty. And I know that you're good. And I know that you're wise and you're perfect. And I know that you're at work in the world. And Lord, I want my life to be under your authority. And I want to join you in what you're doing. And so the right question is, God, am I in your will? Am I joining you in the work that you are doing in the world? Now, understand, in order to join God in the work that he's doing in the world, there's some things that's got to be real in us. We really have to trust that God genuinely loves us and that He really is good. I mean, it's one thing to sing, oh, great is the love of God, and to say, oh, God loves me. Oh, God so loved the world. When you're facing heartache, moments of, of fear, loneliness, do you really believe that? See, challenges come to really bring that to light and to really join God in what He's doing. You really, you really do have to trust that He loves you. You have to trust that He really is good. Second thing you have to trust is that He really is powerful enough to accomplish His purposes. You have to believe that, that, that He is not subject to the world's powers. He's not subject to the, to the things that are. Rather, that He oversees and He holds all things together and by His might, He is working out a perfect plan. So we have to trust that He's good, that He genuinely loves us, that, that He has the power to accomplish His purpose. And then we have to, we have to choose to stay close to Him. We have to choose to come in behind Him as His followers. And no matter where that road may lead us, to follow Jesus. Now, when, when you go through challenges, and again, look, Sunday morning, beautiful spring day, sometimes it's really to go, yep, that's great. Praise God. Let's go get lunch. Friends, when the storm comes, and it's coming, and some of you are in it right now, and you're like, yes, Pastor, I, I, I'm feeling this. You really have to decide what it is you think God's doing, because that will determine how you respond to it. I told you guys I've been reading this uh, devotion, and I've been so elated. Some of you contacted me to get it for yourselves, and I think many of you are reading it. it New Morning Mercies by Paul Tripp. I, I read this on Monday, and boy, it just shook me. It says, when hardship comes your way, will you tell yourself it's a tool of God's grace and a sign of His love, or you give in to doubting His goodness? I mean, when it gets hard and it hurts, are you someone who says, God, I know you love me. I know you're good, and I know you're all-powerful, and I'm trusting, I'm coming right in behind you and following, and I know, I know that this, this is for, for my good, for your kingdom purpose. Or when it, when it hurts and it's hard and it hits, hits you, are you a person that says, God, you, I don't trust you. You're not a good God. I can't follow you. I, I doubt. Well, you got to believe. Understand. God has a plan for His people's good and His glory, and it's the same thing. His glory is for your good, and our good is for His glory. 
But we have to understand what that means and what that looks like. And so today we're going to talk about the fact that God is at work in our challenges. And, and it's so amazing. Isn't it amazing how much more we pray when our life is hard as opposed to when our life is easy? Has anyone else noticed that when things are really hard that you pray more? Am I the only one? Show of hands. Who prays more when things are hard? Yeah. So why do you think God brings hard things in our life? He brings these challenges for a reason. And you know, one of the things he does, I was listening to uh, Tony Evans. How many of you guys have ever heard Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans preach? Woo! Don't listen to him much because you won't want to listen to me more. But listen to him every now and then because, my goodness, does he get blessed. I was listening to him Friday, and he was talking about the fact, you know, there's times God will bring a pop quiz into your life. How many of you, when you were kids, you remember getting a pop quiz, right? Pop quiz, what makes it pop is the fact that you weren't expecting it, Right? Well, Dr. Evans was talking about the fact sometimes God brings pop exams. I mean, not just a little, you know, 5% of your grade, 50% of your grade, pop exam. What do you believe? Do you believe it, that God really loves you? Do you really believe in the goodness of God? Are you really following in Him? Do you believe He has the power? God will put those things to the test, and He does that by design through challenges. And if you're walking by faith, what you'll find is that your faith is solidified. What you'll find is that your faith grows. And what you'll find, and I like this part especially, you'll find that you're able to codify your faith, that is, creed your faith. You'll be able to to define your faith in very specific terms and specific ways. Because when you've gone through the storm and God has been faithful, all of a sudden the transcendence and the eminence and the providence and, the, and all those other instances that describe our God, all of a sudden they become real important to you. And you're able to codify what it is you believe and why. So understand, these challenges, they're by God's design. And I know very well that many of you are facing challenges. Yesterday morning, uh, the elders and I spent two hours in prayer for you guys. And one of the things we prayed for is the fact that, that we've gotten word, and many of you know this, and, and some of you are right in the middle of it, because this may impact you, that, that there's about 150 families that are going to be losing their jobs from Western Kentucky University this week. We also know that some of you have received health prognosis that doesn't look good. And we also know that some of you are facing challenges in your relationships, some with your children, some with your parents, some with your spouse. And some are even thinking in terms of marriage, we're going to walk away. We're praying for you. The Lord loves you. The Lord is good. The Lord has the power to take what was broken and heal it. God has the power to work through what seems lost and bring it and take it right down the road that, that is best for you and for His glory. You can trust Him, but you got to lean into Him. And you got to hold on to Him. And you got to walk faithfully with Him. Now, to understand how God is at work and, and how it is that He's specifically at work in our challenges, the next three weeks, we're going to be studying the life of Joseph. 
you got your Bible, and I hope that you do, I want you to go ahead and take it out, and I want to give you a quick a quick overview before we get in our text in, in, in chapter 39. I want to give you a little bit of background on Joseph. Many of you know this, but some of you, it's good for the reminder, some of you, this will be new to you. Genesis 37, and, and while you're doing that, I want to remind you again, we're only spending three weeks on the life of Joseph. We should spend an entire year. It's just there's other things that, that, that the Lord wants us to, to study as well. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to study the life of Joseph over the next three weeks. I want you to take time and, and read uh, Genesis 37 and, and all the way to the end and look at the faithfulness of God. We're going to be bringing specific uh, um, truths, promises, doctrine through the life of Joseph over the next few weeks, but not all of it. And I want to encourage you. And as you read Joseph I want, and, and study Genesis 37 and following, I want you to read it in light of Romans 8:28. You know this promise? We should read it in light of Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. But you understand there's a difference between a believer and a non-believer. There's a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. There's a difference between a disciple of Jesus and a disciple of the world. For those who are walking faithfully with the Lord, all things work together for good for them. For those who are walking Contrary to the Word of God, they don't turn out well. So you have to understand, God is like a mighty ocean. And either you can catch the wave and go with the flow, or you can work against it. But I can promise you, the wave will win. It is the wise person who gets in flow with the will of God. Trust His goodness. Trust His love for you. Trust His power. And you get into the flow of what He is doing in the world. And you join Him in what God is doing in the world. So in Genesis 37, we're introduced to this young man, Joseph, who's, who's just a real punk. He uh, spoiled rotten. His dad favors him, which created strife with his other brothers. He gives him this coat of many colors, which only is a symptom of the real issue. And his, brother hated, his brothers hate him so much, they feign his death, and they bring back the coat with blood on it, and they sell him into slavery to the Ishmaelites who take him down to Egypt. Now, they did this out of spite. See, Joseph, he was a very arrogant young man, and he'd had this dream. In this dream, he saw his brothers bowing down to him. He had another dream where his parents were bowing down to him. And rather than hiding that in his heart and, 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 and trusting in the Lord and his time to come out, he went and bragged about it. And he put it in their face and said, you all are going to bow down to me. And it was just a real punk about it. And, and it didn't go well for him. And, and his brothers, mad, they, they, they sell him off. And then you get to, to Genesis 38, it's like, in the meantime, Judah, move on past that and go to 39. And in 39, we see where he was sold. He was sold into Potiphar's house in a household there in Egypt. And I want you to see something in verse 2 in particular. So there he is, sold in slavery, working in Potiphar's house. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph and became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Well, that didn't last long because Potiphar's wife was not a good woman. And she, she sought uh, to, to, to live a sinful life, and Joseph wouldn't have it, so she, um, she had him arrested. And there is now injustice. And so here, not only has his family turned against him, and has he been sold into slavery, now this wicked woman ha- has caused him more harm, and now he's put in a pit in Egypt when he's done nothing wrong, so he's faced injustice. But I want you to notice with me the geography of God. Uh, let's focus now. Ethan, once you come on up, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And he's going to read for us verses 21 through 23. I want you to notice where God is. 
where God is as it pertains to Joseph in particular. This is Genesis 19, uh, beginning in verse 21 through 23. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it there. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to If you would go ahead and, and be seated there. Like Joseph, we all face challenges. Like Joseph, though, disciples of Jesus go through these challenges. Notice the geography of God with the Lord. That's the difference between a disciple of Jesus and a disciple of the world. The Lord is with us. I cannot tell you how many times in, in the last 23 years of ordained ministry I've, I've walked through pain with people, some of you, some of you sitting here, and I've heard some of you say, I do not know how anyone could go through this without the Lord. There have been many of you who have stood beside grace, lost jobs, lost children, lost spouses and friends, parents. And in the hurt, there was a hope. And you said, of others, I don't know how anyone could go through this without the Lord. And friends, if you are not a disciple of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, I want to tell you something. You are missing. You are missing it. You're going to go through challenges and you're going to suffer. That's the nature of this broken world. You are not meant to go through this alone. God loves you. He is a good God. He has come to rescue you and to, and to give you life. He has the power to give you new life, a life in Him. You will but follow Him all the days of your life, and He will never leave you or forsake you. He will not always save you from the trial, but He will go through it with you. And that is the joy of the life of a disciple of Jesus. Now, if you're not going to follow Jesus, let me tell you what's going to happen to you, Okay. One of two things are going to happen to you when you fall into challenges of different kinds. Some of you are really smart. And some of you are going to figure out some way to work it out. And, and you're going to somehow find worldly success, even in the, worst, uh, in the worst pain and problems. And when that happens, you are going to become prideful. And once pride has taken root in your life, there will then be a terrible fall because you will fall into sin. It will cost you your marriage. It will cost you friendships. It will cost you the things that matter the most. Please hear me. I tell you the truth. Without Christ, even if you are successful in the eyes of the world, you will fall into pride, and in that pride you will fall into sin, and that sin will destroy you. If you don't fall into pride, you're going to fall into something else. You're going to fall into despair. And that's your two options. Without Jesus, you're either going to fall into pride or you're going to fall into despair. You're going to become bitter. You're going to become a victim. You're going to blame everybody. You're going to begin to hate. You're going to have angst in your spirit. You're always going to, to have this negative sense. And, and, and you're going to, to lose life and joy and all the good things that only God can give. So, friends, you've got to make a choice. You're going to go through challenges. You're going to go through difficulties. You can either go alone and fall into pride and despair, or you can go with Jesus. And He will never leave you or forsake you. And I want to tell you something. He's 
He's good. And He loves you. And He is all-powerful. And He wants you to come in and follow Him and obey Him and trust Him and see Him do great things. Depend on God because He's dependable. And as you do that, you will find His presence more powerful. He is with us. As disciples of Jesus, understand the Lord is with us. So, so what do we need to do? How do we strengthen that? How are we encouraged in that? Let me give you four things here as we think about the life of, life of Joseph. The first one is this. As disciples of Jesus, the Lord is with us. So, trust providence. Providence. That is the power of God to work all things for good according to His will. Trust the plan of God. Now, Joseph didn't have a clue as to what all was going on here, but we do. We know exactly what God was doing. God was preparing the next stage of His promised plan for the whole world. Take your Bibles and go, go back a few chapters. Go back to Genesis 15. I want to show you something. What God was doing was He was taking the first step through Joseph to accomplish a promise He made to Abram. And this is a painful promise. But again, it was a part of the plan of God. Genesis chapter 15, verse 13. Look at this prophecy, this promise God made. Then the Lord said to Abram, No, for certain. Now look, certain means this is not going to alter. No matter what you say, no matter what you do, no matter what you try to do to make this not happen, it's certain. This is going to happen. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years years. The children of Israel became slaves in Egypt for 400 years. This was the plan of God. Joseph's life was the first step toward accomplishing that plan. Now, Joseph didn't know that. Here's what Joseph knew. My brothers hate me and deceive me and stab me in the back. Here's what Joseph knew. There is injustice in the world, and that wicked woman, Potiphar's wife, has, has done me an, a, a disservice, and now I'm in jail, and, and it's not fair. That's what he knew. That's what he was feeling. And here's what I know about some of you. That's what you feel today. This is wrong. It's unjust. It's not right. It's not fair. What I'm going through is hard. I'm hurt. Here's what you can know. This challenge that you're facing... God is in it. This is a part of His plan and design for your life. Now, know when I say that, that's not going to make it all like, oh, well, good, I'll just suffer. Well, praise Jesus, let's go home. Here's what it is. It's a mess. When you're going through a challenge, it's a mess. It's messy. It feels messy. It looks messy. It's not actually to God, but to us it is. It's like the back of a tapestry. You ever seen the back of a tapestry? This is what God's plan often looks like to us. You and I are one of these strings all wrapped up in everything else. And we're just like, what a mess. What is God doing? Why, why does my life look like this? Well, that's what it looks like from our perspective. What does it look like from, from the, the hand of the Maker who's working it all together for good? It looks like a crown of glory. Here's what you can know. When you're going through the challenge, it feels messy because you can't see what God's doing. 
Joseph didn't know what God was doing. He didn't know he was the first step toward a promise that had been made years ago. He had no idea that he was going to be there to, to bring salvation to his family and to the line of God through whom the salvation of the world would come. He had no clue. All he knew was he was hurting and that there was injustice. And it was a mess. But he could trust the providence of God. So his disciples of Jesus, hey, listen, we can know the Lord is with us. So trust the providence of God too. grow through strife. Grow through strife. Life is a battle. But understand, the situation is not the battle. The people that are causing you pain, that's not the battle. Your, your job, your health, the, the, the challenge is not the battle. Let me tell you what the battle is, okay? Make sure you, you're codifying this right. Make sure you've got the right category that you're thinking out of. Let me tell you what this is. The battle is faith. The battle is believing. God is seeking to strengthen, to codify, and to grow our faith. It, it pleases Him. Hebrews 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. Now understand, all the devils of hell know that the Lord exists, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died for sins, was raised on the third day, and will return again. But they don't seek Him. Some of you are not seeking Him. Now, the promise is provided to those who believe, to those who seek, who are trusting in the reward of God. So understand, strife is coming by God's design. God, God has allowed this challenge to enter into your life for a reason. And James says something crazy. Look at this, James chapter 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers. What? Some of you are saying, you want me to count this as joy? It's not me, it's God's Word. Don't send me the emails. Talk to my boss, all right? Here's what he says. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is what God wants to do. He wants to strengthen your faith. He wants to grow your faith. He wants to codify your faith so that you become more and more like Jesus. The battle is in believing. And let's face it. Sometimes it's easy to believe and sometimes it's not. When it's not, we need, we need to humble ourselves and be true and say what a man once said to Jesus, a man who was heartbroken because the son was demon-possessed. And Jesus said, believe me, trust. This is what the man said in Mark 9. He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Sometimes this is, sometimes this is the only and the very best prayer that you can pray. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I trust your providence. I, I, I know that this is a plan. I, 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 I'm battling for relief. And, and, and in, that, in, that, in that faith that is growing, serve. Write it down. So you know that God is with you. So look, serve by faith. And it's important that you do this because if you're not in the flow with God in serving Him, you're not going to be positioned 
to be able to take the next step that He has for you. If you are out of the will of God, you can't get to the next step that God has for you. The first thing you have to do is you have to step back into the will of God in order to take the next step forward. Some of you cannot take a step forward because you are out of God's will. You're going to need to first take a step into the will of God that basically says, I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. I trust that you're good. I trust that you love me. I trust that you have all power. And so I'm going to get in line with you, and I'm going to believe that you are at work in the world. Leo Tolstoy said this. You'll hear this in music all the time, but this is the guy who said it first. Everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. Understand God wants to change you. One of the greatest ways He changes you is through your service to Him. So often when people begin to go through challenges, the first thing they jettison is their church involvement. The first thing they jettison is the missional mindset. I'm about to lose my job. Panic. What am I going to do? That's the way of the world. I'm about to lose my job. What's God going to do? How can I reflect the goodness of Jesus Christ and that I believe that He is my provider in this moment? I'm faced with a health crisis. What is God going to do? I am faced with conflict. What is God going to do? My my marriage isn't going the way I want. My child isn't going the way I thought that he or she would. My parents aren't doing well. What am I going to do? It's not what I'm going to do. What's God going to do? The disciple of Jesus doesn't start with himself. The disciple of Jesus starts with Jesus and says, Now, what are you going to do, Lord? See, I, I, I trust your providence. I, I, I see the strife as a part of your plan. And, and so I'm, I'm going to serve you, and in serving you, I'm going to be changed. And what's going to be changed is going to be our character. What that means is, is that we're going to become conformed to the image of God. See, there, there are Christians out there, well-intentioned, who are teaching even today. And what they're saying is, is that what's most important is the person. And we need God to conform to our image so that we can get without what we want. What a horrible thought. The last thing we need is another Jason Pettis, broken and simple in this world. What we need is more Jesus. And what, what Pettis needs is to conform to the image of Jesus. And what you and I, what we all need is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, what is that called? Simple word, holiness. We are to live in holiness. Joseph didn't know what was going on. He had a little bit of a clue. Now, I want you to go back. I want you to hold your, hold your finger where you are, and I want you to think about something real quick. He knew Genesis 1 through 36. So just take a quick glance at Genesis 1 through 36. He knew about Adam and Eve. He knew about Noah and the flood. He knew that God had called Abram. He knew about his daddy being Jacob. And he knew that God had blessed him. But once you get to chapter 37, that's all he knows. And yet he was faithful. And he saw the Lord do good things. He was looking forward to the Messiah coming. He knew the Messiah was coming. What do we have? We have the entire canon of Scripture. And you know what we know? We know that God wins in the end. 
And we know that God is with us always to the very end of the age. And we know that He is never going to abandon us. And we know that God has a plan. You know what that plan is? To make us holy. Friends, let me be very clear on this. God's plan is not to give us worldly, carnal success. There's nothing wrong with success. But that's not the goal. Listen to me. I know that some of you are like, oh, dude, whatever. I'm going to tell you something. There are those sitting here right now, and the most important thing to you is worldly success for yourself, for your children, for your business, whatever. And for some of you, holiness is like down the list. Can I tell you something? A thousand years from now, there's going to be one thing that matters to you. Your holiness. And all these things that right now that occupy your time and attention are not going to be... Not, let me give you a good stuff. They're not going to matter jack squat. What matters now and what always matters is our holiness. What did Peter tell us? What does Scripture tell us? First Peter, God's will as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. We are called to be holy. We are called to be disciples who obey Jesus. I was at a pastor's conference. I'm going to finish with this. Last week, and I saw something that I hadn't seen in 30 years. Can you believe this? 30 years. Studying this stuff in multiple languages, and, it, and I can't believe I've missed this this long. Go to your, in your Bibles and go to Matthew 28, 19-20. This is the Great Commission. I memorized this in the NIV, but we've been using the ESV, and I want to show you something very interesting. Uh, most of you have uh, ESV. Some of you have the NIV. Uh, some of you have other translations. And the other translations, it's different in, in most cases. The elders and I, we were looking at this yesterday. Matthew 28, 19-20. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In the NIV, it says, And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What do your versions say? Instead of obey, what do your versions say? Yell it out. Observe. The word basically means the same thing. It means that we are to be participants. We're to observe it and, but, and that sort of thing. But a pastor made a very keen, I think, observation the other day and said, you know, a lot of people, especially Americans, have taken this scripture to observe all things. Hey, believe in Jesus, get baptized, and then go to church and watch people sing and talk. Go to class and observe other people teaching. And then, that's what it means to be a Christian. No wonder you're bored. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a wild journey where you face challenges every day. And you have to trust in the love and, and, and the goodness of God and believe that He has the power and so much so that you get in behind Him and that you're going to obey Him and follow Him no matter what. To obey. Let me ask you, are you a disciple of Jesus? I'm not saying that you say the sinner's prayer. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Can you say, look, one month ago, six months ago, 12 months ago, I was here, but now my obedience is here because I am growing in the knowledge of my Savior and I'm trusting Him more and I'm obeying Him more. Some of you are not disciples at all. I'm telling you, you need to give your life to Jesus today. Some of you, you, you are seeking the Lord. 
but you know people that aren't. And those consequences I talked about, pride and despair, you're beginning to see it in their lives. And I want to, I want to encourage you to come pray for them today. To ask God to do what only He can do, which is the miracle of new birth and new life in His will. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, I, I know that there, there are some who are here today who, well-intentioned people, that really have not made you their Lord and Savior. They are not disciples of Jesus. They may be church-going people. They may be nice people. But Lord, here's what I know. Until our lives have been redeemed and forgiven and given the power of new life, there's no hope. So I pray today that you're bringing conviction and an awareness of the need of salvation to some and that they will come get on their knees and pray to you what I prayed 30 years ago. Lord, forgive me. Take over. I'm with you. Lord, I pray for some brothers and sisters who are here today. Some are in challenges. Some are about to face them. All of us need to be in the flow of your will to take the next step that you have for us in holiness. I pray today that they would come and ask you for strength, for endurance, to help their unbelief. They believe. Help our unbelief. And then for those of us who know others who are in need, that today we begin to pray and maybe even begin to think, how can we share the gospel with them? How can we invite them to come and worship our great and mighty God and hear the truth and experience the love of this family? It begins with prayer, Lord. Because what we're asking to see and what we want to see and what you want to do is supernatural. So it begins with prayer. So as we sing of, of our need to trust and obey, hear the prayers of those who want to come to you and, and ask for your favor. In Jesus' name, amen. Come pray as we sing together.